0: Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. Hey, let's get started this morning with a fun little game that I want to challenge you on. So I'm going to say a statement. And then, what I want you to do is, I want you to fill in the blank, all right? Now, I don't want you to say it like real quiet, like a little mouse, but I want you to th- throw it out there. Let me hear it. So, here's the first one What's in it for me? me. Good job. Good job. All right, uh, what about this one? I gotta be me somewhere, whatever, but me. <laughs> How about uh, those of you that are kind of in the upper. Um, Age range, we call them we don't call them older at TC, we call them wiser at TC. So, what about this one? Uh, I did it my way. way. You guys are a bunch of sinners listening to secular music. (laughs) What about this one? Uh, you have to look out for number one. one. Number one. Um, do you know why all of us are are, uh, pretty good at that game being able to answer? Uh, those little fill in the blanks. It's because in our society, um, it is woven into our fabric here in America to focus ourselves. This uh, idea of selfishness. And uh, maybe that's why uh, W.E. Gladstone, who was a one-time prime minister in uh, England, he made this statement. He said, selfishness is the greatest curse... Of the human race. Selfishness is the greatest curse of the human race. And so if if selfishness is so dangerous to a healthy and a life-giving and a vibrant relationship, both with with people, both and with God, then I think we should ask ourselves uh, this question as we jump into today's message. Like, how do we resist selfishness? in our own life? And not only resist it, but how can we keep it from ruining our relationships, the ones that matter most? That's what I want to talk to you about today, and uh, welcome to week two of our message series called Red Flags, where we have been on a little journey um, identifying uh, really four uh, relational red flags that... um, That if we can watch out for these things, we can experience um, healthier relationships. My name is Ryan. I have the honor of serving here as lead pastor. If you're new today, welcome. Um, Today, I want to talk to you from this title, The Red Flag of Selfishness. This sounds like a fun message today, don't it? The Red Flag of Selfishness. Hey, if you got your Bibles uh, or smartphones, make your way to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter two, we're going to hang out there for today. And uh, as we're doing that, let's, um, let's pray our prayer together and say this with not just a loud voice, but, but really a heart that is desiring for God to speak to us today. Say this out loud, Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I, I don't know if you've heard this, um, this funny story about uh, this guy that um, when he died, he wanted to take everything with him into the afterlife. And so uh, this guy was all about, lived his life all about making uh, a bunch of money. Um, he didn't really spend a whole lot of money because it was all about trying to accumulate as much as he possibly could. And so um, so he talked to his wife and he convinced his wife that if he died, that she would bury him with all of his money, right? Because he just wanted to, he wanted to make as much as he could, spend as little as he could and take as much with him into the afterlife. And so you can imagine, um, that's, that's, not taught in a marriage counseling. Um, that probably didn't uh, lead to a super healthy marriage. Um, but she agreed. And so, um, as you can imagine, one day he died, uh, she didn't do it, but one day um, he dies. And, um, and so they're at the funeral, and right before they begin to shut the lid to his coffin, she walks up to the coffin with a shoebox. And she places the shoebox into the coffin, and they shut the little, little door thing. And she begins to walk back uh, to her seat, and uh, she was sitting right next to her best friend, And her best friend like said to her like, please, please tell me you didn't give that stingy man all of his money in his casket. And she kind of responded said, listen, I made a promise, right? And I'm a good Christian woman and I can't go back on my word. And she kind of like looks back over and says, um, you know, mama didn't raise no fool. And so um, what I did is I took all of his money And I deposited into my bank account. And in that shoebox, I just cut him a check. I cut him a check. (laughs) I cut him a check. Hey, let's look at uh, Philippians chapter 2 today. And uh, I think the Apostle Paul, he's he's the one that writes um, this letter to the church in Philippi and uh, gives us some really helpful advice to, um, to really help all of us to keep selfishness from ruining our relationships. And, um, and so he's writing to this church in Philippi. This is the first church that he planted in Eastern Europe. And so um, if you wanted to kind of connect the dots uh, this week, you could go to Acts chapter 16 and uh, that is the church that Paul planted. That's the church that he's speaking of um, here in this text that we're going to read today. But um, what's important about the city of Philippi for us to know is that it was a hotbed for Roman patriotism. I mean, all the, the retired uh, military people for Rome would come to Philippi and they would retire there. And so the reason why that's important is because this church experienced a lot of persecution. They experienced a lot of persecution because they were promoting a kingdom other than Rome. And so Paul, um, which he is in prison in Rome as he's writing this letter to the church in Philippi, and he's writing this letter to help the church understand that the story that God is trying to write in their lives, that that story should be an expression of the same story that God wrote through Jesus's life. And so today we're gonna take a look at what that story is. And um, I think that today, I think it'll help all of us as we navigate selfishness in our own lives and relationships in our lives. Look with me in Philippi or Philippi. Philippians chapter two this morning. We're going to start in verse one. Look what Paul says. He says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Is there any fellowship together in the spirit? And are your hearts tender and compassionate like in other words, what Paul is saying in this moment as he's penning this is, is you can kind of sum it up in this way. Has God done anything for you in your life, right? Let me see a show of hands. How many in this place has God done something for you at some point along the journey of your life? Well, well this is what Paul says. Because God has done something for you, he says, then make me, in verse two, make me truly, Happy. Make me truly happy. And how how are we going to make him truly happy? By doing these three things agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, (laughs) loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. Now, I love that last part about the one mind and the one purpose because he's speaking to a church. He's speaking to, and and think of it in the context of all the relationships within a church. Now, although he's speaking to a church, this advice stands um, the test of time in all of our relationships. But he's speaking to this church and he's telling them, listen, God's done some amazing things in your midst and in your life. And this is what would really make me happy is that you would agree wholeheartedly with each other, that you would love one another, that you would work together, but you would have one mind and one purpose, that you would have one vision of your house, and you guys are coming together, and you're living your lives to fulfill this purpose, this vision. You know, we say around here oftentimes that we don't have to see eye to eye to walk hand in hand, like we don't have to see and agree on everything and the way everything is done for us to walk around hand in hand, to be unified in our hearts towards what God has called us to do. And, and I kind of see that statement in what Paul is saying here, that, that listen, you're not going to, you're going to have differences, opinions of of how things should be done, but at the end of the day, you're going to agree wholeheartedly with each other, that you're going to be all about the vision and the purpose that God has for this house. And he says, you're going to love one another and you're going you're to work together. Like, and I love the way that, that is phrased. And it's not like, you know, in, in the American church today, it's like what they say, 20% of the people in the church do 80% of the work, right? That's not, you don't see that in here. This is like this idea of, of all of us coming together and working together to accomplish what God has called us to. And, and so you see this in the context of what he's saying to the church, but if you think about it, like agreeing wholeheartedly, loving one another, working uh, together um, are the kind of attitudes, the kind of actions that produce um, a pretty good outcome in any relationship that we have. And then we see um, Paul begin to set up and to help us see, all right, how we can experience these things. Like, like how can we have this kind of. Kind of unity in our relationships, how can like our, our marriage, how can we agree wholeheartedly? how can we love one another deeply like like how can we work together in what God has called us to as a couple and as a family and and, and so Paul in verse three begins to kind of weave his way into how we can experience those things. look in verse three I mean he just like it 's like he it's like he's in prison and um um and he pulls the pin to the grenade and he just like pfft, he says don't be selfish right i mean he just comes right out like boom don't be selfish and don't try to impress others like like listen if you're going to experience those things in your relationships he says you can't be selfish like you can't be so focused on on your own interest above other people and then and then this other like like phrase of 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 not impressing others another way to, to say that or to communicate that is the word prideful right it's not it's it's not having this elevated opinion of yourself and, and this week um, this week, something really uh, dawned on me, and this is going to hit kind of heavy, but it really dawned on me this week that these two things, selfishness and, uh, and pride, they're the same two things that got Satan kicked out of heaven. I was like, ooh. And so here's what hits kind of heavy is look up here on the screens that... You and I are never more like Satan than we are selfish and prideful. That means we are never more like Satan. Like doing the very things that got him kicked out of heaven than we, when we allow our lives to be led by selfishness and pride. Kind of reminds me of another funny story. (laughs) Um, the funny story about, um, the mom that was making pancakes for her two kids. So she, her, her youngest was three years old. The two boys, the youngest was, was three. His name was Brian. And, uh, uh, the other boy was five and his name was Kevin. And so, um, So Brian and Kevin are arguing over who's gonna get the first pancake, right? Any moms in the house have a situation like that when the kids were younger? And so they're arguing over who's gonna get the first pancake. And so the mom realizes, hey, this is a real teaching moment. Like a real teaching moment. And so she turns around and she looks at the um, the two boys and she says, listen, I bet if Jesus was in the kitchen today, he would give the pancake to his brother. Well, Kevin, the five-year-old, I mean, just quick-witted, like just boom, had a brilliant idea. And so he looks at Brian and he says, you be Jesus. (laughs) 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 You be Jesus. (laughs) Oh, man. And so what Paul's getting at here is, listen, instead of, Instead of living life like selfishly and with pride, he's he's telling us that if we want to experience these kind of healthy, thriving, life-giving relationships, then then in fact, we've got to be willing to do the opposite. And he says in verse three, in the second part of verse three, he says, be humble. He says, be humble, thinking of others, as better than yourself. You know, I don't know if you have put the two and two together before, but the quickest way for um, you and I to get God working against us, right, is to be operating in selfishness and pride. If you want me to prove it to you, in James chapter four, verse six, it says that God opposes the what? The proud, but he gives grace to the who? To the humble. Anybody in here need more grace in their life? Yeah, three of you. I need. I got two hands lifted, and I got three of you in the room. No. <laughs> Listen, I'm not a mechanic, right? But I do know this to be true on the screens: that humility is the grease. That keeps the gears of relationships running smooth. Not selfishness or pride or about ourselves, but humility is the grease that keeps the gears of relationships running smooth. In Philippians chapter two, verse four, he says, Listen, not only that, but don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And I love how Paul, like, I love how he words this part of of what he's saying, because he's not saying that it's wrong for us to invest in our own lives. He's just saying, listen, not only do you invest in your own life, but you're investing in other people's lives too. So he's saying, listen, it's less about just focusing on things that matter to me, but it's also... Focusing on things that matter to other people. And then Paul does this, like, this radical shift in the next few verses that that I think really helps us um, get a picture of what it looks like for us to align the story God is writing in our life with the story that He wrote through Jesus' life. Look with me in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. He says this that listen if you're going to experience these things if you're going to have these healthy relationships if you're going to if you're going to love one another right if you're going to agree wholeheartedly if you're going to work together in what God is doing then then he doesn't say like then if you want to and he doesn't say like if you feel like it he doesn't say like only on the weekends, right? And he says nothing about like in public do this, but in private, you can do whatever you want. He just says, listen, you must. Now understand the significance of that, that if, if you're wanting these kind of life-giving relationships in your life, if you're wanting a life-giving relationship with, with Jesus, then he's saying you must Like there's no like, there's no gray um, area there. Like Paul's like, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. The same attitude. Now it's interesting to me that he's not pointing out that we have to be exactly like Jesus. He's just saying like what mattered to Jesus has got to matter to us. And this word attitude, like well, I read through that like multiple times and I was thinking like, what in the world can this mean? Because as a parent, like I've gotten a lot of attitude from my kids, right? And how, what is Paul trying to say when he talks about we got to have the same attitude as Christ? Like I've never seen Jesus with like the attitude. Like I don't understand it. And so what I discovered is in the original language this word and, it, and the theologians, which that's who I consider the smart people in the room, right? And so the theologians said that this word is incredibly difficult to, um, uh, to be able to um, communicate in English. And, uh, you know, English, I don't know if you know this, but it's one of the simplest languages, right? And so he's saying they're saying that it's really incredibly difficult to communicate what this word means. And so this is, this is the best way to try to explain it, that it is this unwavering conviction on the inside, like unwavering. Now, no matter what I face, no matter how many difficulties I go through, like I'm not changing. I'm not, I'm not changing courses. It is an unwavering conviction on the inside That then produces a consistent behavior on the outside. So, like I'm gonna, I I it's resolved in my heart, and because of that um, resolution in my heart, I'm gonna live it out in my life. It's quite a bit different than oftentimes we live our life because we kind of like have this head knowledge of of God, we have this head knowledge of Christianity, but it doesn't really get lived out in our everyday life. And he's like, "No, if we're going to have healthy, vibrant relationships, then we've got to we got to have the same things that that were so deep of convictions in Jesus's heart, they've got to be in our heart, but not only there, but they've got to be lived out in our lives." And so what what are those Things. What are those attitudes? Well, I want to show you this morning um, with our fancy little blackboard here. All right. So, if we want to have the same attitude, right? The same attitude. So, that is a conviction plus behavior, right? So, if we want to have that, then we've got to take a look at the convictions and the behavior of Jesus. And so, uh, Paul begins to map this out for us. The first one that we see is in verse 6, and it is this attitude of sacrifice. I heard some of you were like, "Mm." have hmm We have to sacrifice. When you think about Jesus, right? It says that though he was God, right? He did not think of equality with God as something to hold on to, something to to cling to, but instead he gave up his divine privileges. Like he gave it up. If you look at the original language, that that, um, two words gave up is the word that they used back in those days to reflect if somebody had a cup that was full of water and they completely emptied it out to where there was no more water in it, that they gave it up. And so Jesus gave up everything that he had in heaven. He emptied himself. Like, instead of of Jesus making the choice to sit up in his heavenly recliner, right, and to look down at all the misery of all of us and the sin that we commit and the, the wretched, wrecked lives that, that we live. Instead of that, what Jesus did is he gave all of that up. Like he left a place that had no pain for pain. He left a place that had no sorrow for sorrow. That he left a place that had no difficulty for difficulty. That Jesus gave up, he emptied himself, he took off the gold crown and he picked up the crown of thorns. That he sacrificed. And what Paul's trying to help us understand is if we're gonna have healthy relationships in our life that we're gonna have to sacrifice too. Here's the question, the sacrificial question for all of us, and we got it up here on the screens. Am I willing to give up the things that I value most for the benefit of others? Think of that in the context of your relationships, think of that in the context of your marriage of the people at work. Now think of that statement in the context of your relationship with God. Like if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna have the same attitude as Christ and, and I'm gonna give up, I'm gonna empty myself of every right or privilege that I have, right? Like I'm gonna walk into a place like this and I'm not gonna walk in like uh, Colin McGregor does, right? When when in, in the UFC, like just strutting in here because I got, you know, I got the labels that I'm wearing, or I got the cool, the the new hat, uh, cool hat, or I got the car, or because my job is like is is elevated above somebody else's job. Now I'm going to empty myself. What what Paul is saying is is we're going to choose to empty ourselves of all of that. That we're going to sacrifice a little bit. And so the question that I think we have to ask as it relates to our relationship with God is am I willing to, to give up the things that I value most for the benefit of God and his kingdom? Now listen, I know that this is like, listen, I, the, the whole reason why I put two funny jokes in here is because I knew this was gonna be a tense message. Like I get it because our, our whole culture is all about selfishness. I think of this, you know, Andrea referenced it with um, what we're seeing, what I would call an awakening in, uh, with Asbury and, and, and all the little other pockets of what he's doing in other places. And, and many of us could sit back on social media and we could be like, man, God, do that here, do that here, do that here. But, but few of us are willing to live out the journey of what it takes for God to do that here. You know what I'm saying? Like, we resist this idea of selfishness, but God pour it out on us, right? <laughs> like, like God pour it out on us, but then offering time, like we're holding on, right? Or time to get up and serve, like, nah, we're tired. I'm, a, I'm just not gonna show up today. Like, like, you see what I'm saying? Like, I know it's heavy, but I'm coming at you because I think we're ready for it as a church. Like, I think... I think like if if you guys were a bunch of babies, as the scripture says, and I'd have to give you a bunch of milk. But I think we got some people in this room that really want to go deep with God and experience all that he has for us. And if we're going to do that, we got to gnaw on some meat from time to time, right? And so taking on this attitude of of sacrifice, the next one that we see that... um, That Jesus did is that he was a servant. It says here in verse 7 that he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. See, what Paul's saying is that he didn't just empty himself of his position in heaven right? But he also came down as a servant and said, I'm going to serve other people. Like my life's not just going to be about me and what is of interest to me, but, but I'm going to be all about helping other people. Like what God has done in my life, I want to help other people experience the same thing. So I'm going to I'm going to empty myself. I'm going I'm to sacrifice, but I'm also going to be a servant. Like, like, where can I serve? And, and oftentimes in today's society, like, like this idea of servanthood um, is, ugh, we resist that, right? Like I'm going to walk past the paper on the ground, and I'm going to let somebody, I'm going to let the janitorial crew pick that up. <laughs> I've only had one family leave so far, so we're good. No, (laughs) just he took on this role. He emptied himself to come to Earth to serve. And so, if we're going to have the same attitude of Christ, we've got to we've got to ask this question: Do I see myself above certain tasks or responsibilities? Or am I willing to do whatever it takes to serve others? Think of this in the context of your marriage or with your kids. Like, am I I gonna walk into the house and am I gonna gonna look at the dishes on the counter (laughs) and be like, that's not my job? I mean, that kind of attitude is not gonna lead to the kind of relationships that Paul's talking about here. Like asking ourselves, like generally asking ourselves in every area of our life, even our relationship with God, like is there, is there certain, some certain task or responsibility that is too low for me? Or am I going to be willing to do whatever it takes to serve other people? Think of that in the context of our relationship with the Lord. Like, do I see a list of of dream team um, areas that I can serve? And does my eye go past over half of them or two-thirds of them because I feel like they're inferior to me? Right? When the Bible talks about, in Corinthians, the one body, many parts, that there's no part greater than the other part, that they are all equal in communicating the love and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so you see somebody like the way that I model that out here at Transformation Church, and I've told a few people this, but there's a reason why I don't pray in the altar with people. And the reason why I don't do that is because oftentimes we get this like embellished idea that there's more power if the pastor prays than somebody else. And it is a conscious decision on my part to shape the culture of our church that it's not about me. I play my part, right? I do the part that God's called me to do. But God has called all of us to play a part. And so we have people in this church that God has gifted and anointed to pray with people. That they have faith that God moves through them with healing and with miracles and words of knowledge. And so one of the ways that I serve is I step out of the way, and it's not about me getting the light, but it's about allowing those individuals to operate in the gifting that God has called them to. The third one that we see in Philippians chapter seven, the second part of that is this idea of submission. And it says that when he appeared in human form, that he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died. That he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died. Now, do you know what the difference between submission and surrender is? Surrender is what we do when somebody walks into a room with a gun and puts a gun to our head and we say, I surrender. It's something that's forced upon us, right? So even in the language that I use sometimes, I kind of throw out this, I surrender, God. I surrender. <laughs> and God's probably up there like, hey, Ryan, great effort. Like, <laughs> I'm going to look past this idea that you think I'm forcing you to do anything. You know, I see your heart, so... Like, but really the idea is submission because submission is something is when we lay down willingly. And what Jesus did is he sacrificed, he came to serve, but then he submitted his vision for his life to the father's. He said God is not about me. I mean think about that moment on the cross when he when he tried to to get out of it where he said God like step in and rescue me and then he said no not my will. <clears throat> Holy moly. <laughs> Let me take a drink. He said not my will but your will be done. And so if we're going to have that same attitude as as Christ, to help our relationships thrive, then here's the question that we've got to ask ourselves. When was the last time that we died? Died to our hopes, to our wants, to our dreams, for the sake of others. Again, put this in the perspective of your relationships Put it in the perspective of your kids. Like, when was the last time that you died to the fact that you want your kids to play professional sports? When was the last time you asked them what they wanted? Right? Because we're really good at living out our failed dreams through our kids. And then, uh, then because of that, we end up pulling them out of church for 30 or 40 weeks out of the year and then we blame God when they become young adults and they want nothing to do with church right I'm glad we didn't give out tomatoes or anything when people came in the day of course it would have matched the color scheme of the stage but what about this in relation to our relationship with God like you've got your hopes you've got your dreams you've got your desires in life, but when was the last time that, that you died to that? When was the last time that you prayed and you said, God, like I give up all of that stuff. I give up every desire that I have, everything that I want, everything that I'm saving for. And God, if you choose to bring that back to me at some point in my life, great. But if you choose to never bring it back again, I'm okay with that because I want to serve you. I want to do what you've called me to do. Like, when's the last time that you prayed a prayer like that? When's the last time that you prayed a prayer to empty yourself of yourself so that God could fill us with himself? The last one that we see in verse 8 is this attitude of suffering? Jesus sacrificed. He came as a servant. He submitted his will to the will of the Father. And then he allowed himself to endure suffering. In verse eight, it said that he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died just not just some normal death. He died a criminal's death. He died the worst possible death, so that you and I could experience the best possible life. And so, if we're going to have the same attitude as. Jesus, then we've got to ask ourselves the suffering question, right? How willing am I to be a little bit inconvenienced and to suffer for the benefit of others? How willing am I to be inconvenienced in my marriage? How Willing am I to be inconvenienced with my kids, with my boss? How willing am I to be inconvenienced for God, for His kingdom? I think as we've been kind of watching online and what God has been doing all across the country, I... I can't help but to see it through the lens of unselfishness because these are people that are coming early to get a seat. (laughs) Like there's a hunger that's there that they're willing to wait in a line that's a mile long, that they're willing to stand in the rain, that they're willing to worship God at one or two o'clock in the morning, that there is a hunger that's there. And church, if your desire is anything like my desire, it's a desire that God would show up in our lives in such a way that it transforms our relationships with one another and our relationship with him. Friend, you and I will never experience that if we don't sacrifice, if we don't serve, if we don't submit, if we don't suffer a little bit. But here's what I love, right, about Paul, is that as heavy as a a message as he's giving to this church, that he follows it with this amazing reward. How many know that, that God says that he is, a, or the Bible says that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, right? And so what I love about God is that he's not, yes, we're gonna go through difficulty in our life, but, but Paul follows it up with this next statement in verse nine, he says, Therefore. And in Bible college, they teach you that anytime you see the word therefore, you ask the question, What is it therefore? And it says, Therefore that Jesus sacrificed, that he emptied himself, that therefore he came and he served and therefore he submitted his will for God's will and therefore he was willing to be inconvenienced to make a difference and an impact for others, that Paul says God did what? He elevated Jesus. But his name would be Above every name that one day every knee would bow. Friends, so oftentimes you and I we seek after the elevation of God, but we're not willing to do the things that get us there. Friend, if you're tired of your relationships going south, if you're tired of the tension and the arguing in your marriage, if you're tired of the kids that dishonor you and disrespect you, if you're tired of a relationship with God that you feel like you're just kind of going through the motions, there seems to be no, no life there, Ask yourself this question. Evaluate your relationship in this way. Have I emptied myself? Am I sacrificing? Am I serving? Am I submitting? And am I suffering? Because the promise that Paul gives to all of us that if we'll live this journey out in our lives, that whether it's on earth or in heaven, that one day God is gonna elevate us. Now I don't know about you, but that's the kind of life that I wanna live. With every head bowed and eye closed today, For in the secret to elevation with God, it's not selfishness, it's selflessness. And I think the reason why God does it that way is because he knows that when we live a life of sacrifice and of service and submission and suffering, that, that he could trust us. because his heart is now our heart. Friend, I don't know where you are today with your relationship with the Lord. Maybe you came today and you've never been around church. Like your story is similar to my story. You didn't grow up in church and for whatever Reason you find yourself in this place today and you, you sense that there's something different, that God is, is stirring something in your heart. Or maybe today you walked in and and you grew up in church, but you've drifted. You've gotten calloused and you've gotten cold and you sense in this moment as you see what Jesus did for you, you sense in this moment a desire to respond. Listen, I want you to hear these words. God loves you. That no matter what you've done, no matter how many promises that you've broken, that God loves you. That he emptied himself and gave up his son and his son emptied himself and gave up his life not to take something from you, but to give something to you. And that's forgiveness of sin, that's everlasting life. It's a, it's a life here on earth that's not driven by success, but is driven by significance. And friend, if that's you today, I wanna lead you in the most important prayer that you could ever pray prayer that brings you back into right relationship with the Father. With every head bowed and eye closed, if that's you today, I want you to just slip up your hand for a moment, hold it up for just a second or two. It's a declaration between you and God that that this is your moment, that, that today you're ready to respond to the love sacrifice of Jesus for your life. Yeah. Friend, if you raised your hand today, I want you to say this prayer with me and church say it, say it out loud with us so they don't feel all by themselves today. Say this, thank you for dying for my sins. <laughs> Father, forgive me and come live inside of me. Today, I receive you as Lord and Savior. Help me to live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Family, can you give it up for those today? Come on, all of heaven rejoices in this moment. So exciting, so exciting. Hey, listen, listen, in a moment, if you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share what your next step is, but before we do that, I want to pray for some of you in this room that you love God, you serve God, but you know today that you struggle with selfishness, and you felt through this message, maybe the beginning part, you felt tension and resistance, but then as we began to go, the Lord began to soften your heart and to say, this is your moment, that this is your moment. Like, I want to pray for you before we go today. But listen, in just a second, I'm going to pray. And then after that, our team, our worship team is going is to go back into a song. And, and I want you to stand whenever the song starts. And our, our prayer team, guys, you can go ahead and start coming up and finding your way off to the sides. Listen, as they go back into the song, if you want prayer for anything, anything going on, maybe it's related to today's message or maybe just something else. Our prayer team is gonna be up here and they wanna take a moment and just minister to you. And so if today you prayed that prayer, if today you accepted Jesus Christ or came back to him, make sure you step out, make sure you come and see one of our prayer team members this morning so that they can pray with you and encourage you. Hey, let me pray. Let me pray today. Father, we thank you God for your word. We thank you for the meat of your word. That Father, we don't wanna be a church that just comes in and drinks on the milk Lord, we want to be a church that is growing, a church that is vibrant, a church that is being transformed into your image. And so today I lift up... Lord, every single person in this room, Lord, it's, a, it's an issue that we all deal with selfishness, but Lord, I come against the selfishness that would try to tear marriages apart, the selfishness that would try to destroy relationships with kids, the, the selfishness that, that, that promotes our agenda and our wants over the wants of, of the family that you've placed here in this church. Lord, we come against it in Jesus' name. We come against selfishness. We come against pride. And Father, I pray for a spirit of humility all across this house. Lord, I pray that we would have a, a passion and a heart for other people, not just ourselves. And so, Father, I know that, God, what, what has, has, has torn and, and rubbed wrong in marriages today can be um, redeemed with one decision of sacrifice And so, Lord, I pray, God, that you would move in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would transform our lives. Lord, I pray that our lives can look more and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, church, let's stand, let's worship. Prayer team, come on up. And if you want prayer for anything, just slip out and come on up and receive prayer today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at transform TLH. Thanks again for listening. And we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.